Good morning, Gator Nation, and welcome to lucky episode 13 of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at IAKOWDustin. Unfortunately, a couple hours before we started recording, Casey Hampton gave Neil and I a call, and we found out that his car got totaled, and that is just atrocious. So he's going to take care of that, and unfortunately, he's going to miss today's podcast. But as usual, I've got an all kinds of weather creator and lead writer, Neil Schulman, with me today, and you can follow him at all kinds weather on Twitter. So Neil, it's just the two of us today, and as many of you guys know, we've got a ton to discuss. So Neil, how's your Sunday going? Well, it's probably going a lot better than Casey's. Uh, some douche just backed into his car in a parking lot and rendered it pretty much undrivable. The bumper's just dragging on the road. Uh, and of course, the person didn't leave a note because why would you do that when you can just drive away and get away with it? But as for me, yeah, I'm fine. My Giants kind of suck. That's nothing new. Just um, just got done watching the Gator game film for the, thir- for the third time and you know, I feel like this is kind of like a therapy session. I'm, I'm ready to talk it out. How about you? You ready to talk this through? Yeah, ma'am. You know me, Neil, and people that have been following this podcast since episode one know that I like to be positive, that I'm more of a, a glass half full kind of guy. But I was so, there, there was numerous things, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, but there was numerous things in that game that just made me frustrated. And Dustin does not get frustrated very often. Those of you, uh, I mean, he's, he's like, the way he is on the podcast is not front. It's not a bit. Like, Dustin is just a generally super positive guy in real life, too. And he doesn't get upset very often. And he was genuinely irritated after that. So, yeah. So, Neil, I know we got a, a ton to talk about today. And we really want to get right to it. But real quick, let's go ahead and give a shout to our sponsors. Take it away, Neil. Thanks, Dustin. So, yep, as always, got to give a shout out to the Gator Good Foundation, which, in case you aren't familiar, is a nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. We've been reduced to a virtual campaign for 2020, and we are looking for candidates to provide that virtual experience to this year. So if you believe that you or someone you know is worthy, email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. That is GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. To learn more about what we do, you can check out our website. Sounds so good to say that. We just launched um, GatorGoodFoundation.com. That is GatorGoodFoundation.com. Second, shout out to our sponsor, Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and they'll deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. And two, it's run by a Florida Gator fan. So yeah, they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. That is stingraybranding.com. 
And now with our ad spots taken care of, let's move the conversation back over to football. Dustin, you're the host. Take it away, sir. Yes. Like you said, let's bring the conversation back to football. So there's obviously no hiding what happened on the field Saturday. Florida suffered its first loss of the year, losing 41-38 to to Texas A&M on a game-winning field goal. Obviously, this is not the thing we were hoping to talk about after the Texas A&M game, but here we are. Florida probably would have won the game if Malik Davis didn't fumble at the end. But as we'll talk about ad nauseum through the remainder, the remainder of the show, the defense was the main issue. And that's the statement that would have been just as true if Florida had won the game. So, Neil, I know you have a lot of thoughts concerning this game. You mentioned you watched it three times, which must have been literal torture. What are your thoughts the day after having, like we said, watched the game multiple times? So I think the first thing that's critical to keep in mind is that in the grand scheme of things, this loss does zero. Florida still controls its destiny to win the SEC East, to win the SEC, to win a national championship and all that. It's a cross-division loss. So if Florida wins its last seven games, it's guaranteed to win the SEC East because that means we'll have beaten Georgia and Tennessee and every other East team. And even if Georgia wins every other game, we'd both be 9-1 and one, and we'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker. And even if we'd beaten Texas A&M, we still would have had to beat Georgia if we wanted to win the East or else they'd have the tiebreaker and we would need them to subsequently lose twice. This loss doesn't change any of that. If Florida wins out, they will be in the college football playoff at 10 and one and as the SEC champion. But here's the thing. If I'm Florida, I'm not worried about the East. I'm not worried about Atlanta. I'm not worried about winning the SEC. I'm not worried about making it to the college football playoff. I'm worried about something far more important right now. This is a bad defense right here. A really, really bad defense. That's what I'm worried about. Throw out the postseason ramifications. Throw out the CFP hopes. Throw out the New Year's Six hopes. Throw out Atlanta. Don't worry about any of that. We have a bad defense to worry about right here. It's a defense that's so bad that our offense, which, by the way, is one of the best we've ever had, has to play a literal perfect game in order to win games against good teams. One mistake that Malik Davis fumble was our offense's first miscue of the day, and it cost us the game. And, hell, we'll, we keep it respectful, but we keep it real on this podcast. So let's do that. Let's keep it real. Just how bad is it? It is literally historically awful. Florida has allowed triple-digit number of points in their first three games this season. That's the worst defensive performance in a three-game stretch in over a hundred years, 1917, when the Gators gave up 175 points in their last three games of the year to Auburn, Clemson, and Kentucky. It has been 103 years since we have seen a defensive performance over three games be this bad. And overall, right now, this is the fifth worst defense in the FBS. We're giving up 495 yards of offense per game. Here is the grand list of defenses that are doing worse. Texas Tech, East Carolina, North Texas, and Mississippi. That's it. Those are the only teams in the country that are doing worse in terms of allowing yards per game than Florida is right now. And to the point that Casey made a week ago, 
he made a very clear distinction between a concern and a problem. This defense was a concern after letting South Carolina do whatever it wanted to on offense. Now it's a problem. It is a problem right now. It is panic time for this defense. And if you want to fix a problem, the first step to doing so is admitting you've got one. And Dan Mullen, I love you, but that's what you got to do right now. You have to admit this is a problem, and you've got to take steps to address it. You're right. The defense was atrocious, and we can make all the excuses we want, but those excuses are not going to help when Florida plays the likes of Georgia, the likes of LSU next week, who, while LSU is not very good defensively, as we found out again, uh, in watching the game against Missouri, and they probably would have won that game too if they would have played better defense. But this defense is not going to help the Gators win the games they want to win if they want to be competitive in the SEC East, compete for a, a championship in the SEC, and get in the playoff. I picked Florida to go undefeated. That's obviously not happening. Um, and, dude, we all had Florida projected to have a very good year. Like, you picked them to go 10-0. and Yeah, I picked them to go 9-1. and Casey picked them to go 9-1. and Ben True picked them to go 9-1. and We all had them going to the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Although I will point out that I did pick the one loss to come to Texas A&M, and that did happen. But, yeah, this is a team that we all pegged as the SEC East champion, and right now it just doesn't look like it. Neil, um, yeah, you did, you did pick that one, and I'm very impressed with that, Neil. Good call. And you, you saw something coming. But one thing I don't think any Gator fan saw coming is how atrocious this defense is. I mean, when, when you look at the guys that, that are on this defense, you look at the likes of Amari Bernie, you look at the likes of Muhammad Diabate, you look at – at uh, Kyer Elam, and for all the hate that's going toward Marco Wilson, I mean, he's a player that has played well in the past, and you would think that this defense would be loaded. In fact, if you would have told me that our receiving core would be leaps and bounds better than our secondary, even I would have thought you're crazy because Florida literally had to replace every starter in our receiving core. That's not the case with our secondary. The only starter that had to be replaced on our secondary was C.J. Henderson went to the NFL and Florida replaced him with someone who some considered Kyer Elam to be an even better pro prospect. I don't see that right now. I don't see a secondary that is even close to what it was at the end of last season. And it's very disappointing. It's very disappointing to expect the Gators to even be somewhat mediocre on defense. A mediocre defense would have beat Texas A&M. If the Gators were even mediocre on defense, I'm just beside myself, Neil. Oh, dude, I, I, a below average defense would have won the game on Saturday. I mean, mediocre or average is a, is a dream for this defense right now. A below average defense would have won this game on Saturday because a below average defense wouldn't have given up 543 yards of total offense. A below average defense would have gotten some total of greater than zero pressure on Kellen Mond at some juncture in the game. And a below-average defense would have gotten a couple of stops here and there intermittently throughout the game. For this defense to be below average would mean that it took a huge leap. Obviously, Neil, we've been hungry for offense since the Mushchamp days. 
But the fact that, that our offense is great, but we can't even really celebrate it because our defense is so bad, it's, it's disheartening. I mean, at least in the past, even when, the, even when we would lose games, the defense would at least be clutch. The defense would at least, would at least put the offense in position to win the game. But we, we didn't have a clutch sack. We didn't have a clutch interception. We did have a clutch fumble recovery, but that was after getting roasted on the previous four drives for touchdowns. So you got to ask, is that really even worth it? Right. Um, I mean, look, man, the, the adage is def- offense wins games, defense wins championships, right? It, it's not true, okay? It, it's just not true. Offense and defense wins championships. You need both. And people are comparing this team, this Florida team, to LSU last year. And I, I kind of get it. I don't think Kyle Trask is Joe Burrow. I think he's a great quarterback. I, don't, I think he's sort of come out of nowhere in a vein of Joe Burrow. I don't think he's Joe Burrow. But that LSU team had a defense. They had a top corner in Derek Stingley. They had great linebackers like Patrick Queen, like Jacob Phillips. They had great defensive linemen that frequently got pressure on quarterbacks. Their defense contributed. It wasn't the strength of their team, but their defense helped. This defense hurts Florida. It's a liability. My point is the defense was not clutch against Texas A&M. After Malik Davis fumbled the ball, every fiber of my being was hoping and praying that we would return the favor and get a turnover. We could not do anything. Our defense was softer than warm butter on the, on the Thanksgiving table when you're about to put on some bread. I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. I know, I know, I know Casey says that, that that's you, Neil. But, Neil, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're right there with me, and I'm sure those of you that are listening are right there with me. But, you know, we got to take our orchard blue glasses off. We have to look at this team objectively. We got to put all of our college football playoff hopes and aspirations aside, and we have to look at this team head on and take it for what it is. This defense is not good. And if they don't improve substantially, I I really don't see this team winning more than six games. I don't see how this team can beat LSU. I don't see, I definitely don't see how this team can beat Georgia. Yeah, Georgia's offense isn't that good but their defense is way better than any, any defense we played so far. So I, I, don't see, I don't see that game working out with the defense the way it is. I don't, see, I don't see that Tennessee game going the way we want it. And maybe even Missouri. Missouri can score. I think we could lose all those if this defense doesn't improve. So, Neil, I look forward to diving into some more hard analysis with you. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and hear from Casey. I know that he wrote to you and gave you some thoughts. So if you want to go more into that. So Casey had two main thoughts that I think are very much worthy of putting in this pod, even if he can't participate in it. Uh, First was, I want to make very clear, I do not blame Malik Davis. That kid balled out. He worked extremely hard to come back to a featured role on this offense. He deserves all the credit in the world for all his hard work, and his hard work has shown on the field in his first three games. It was not his fault that we lost. It was unfortunate that one mistake of his gave A&M the ball late with a shot to win, and we all knew what was going to happen once it happened, once he fumbled. Casey's second point actually perfectly segues into our next point of discussion and a discussion that I think a lot of Gator fans are having with each other right now. 
His second point was that he really wanted to double down on his tweet that said, if Mullen keeps Todd Grantham next year, that shows me that his loyalty is to his personal relationships and not to long-term success. Again, this is, this is straight off of Casey's Twitter from at Hampton 85 If Grantham comes back next year, because, well, like it or not, he's not getting fired midseason, but if Grantham comes back next year, Dan Mullen is not the coach we need or the coach that will win us a national championship. And I think that's a legitimate point of discussion right now. Fans were begging Mullen in mass after the Orange Bowl to make a change at the D.C. position because they saw the writing on the wall. We had ballers on that defense last year. We lost them, a lot of them, after last year. And fans were afraid that exactly what we saw happen on Saturday without those ballers, like without John Grenard, without C.J. Henderson, they were afraid that exactly what we saw on Saturday was going to happen and cost Florida a game that it had no business losing. So, you know what? I'll do something fun. I'll swap roles with Dustin for now, and I'll be the guy who poses the question for us to talk about. What are your thoughts on Todd Grantham? So, Neil, Todd Grantham is a high-risk, high-reward coach when it comes to how he calls plays and the result of his schemes. He His schemes specifically – require a game breaker of a pass rusher, a John Grenard, uh, Ja'Kai Polite type of guy. And it's very evident that Florida is not getting that type of production from the pass rushers that are currently in the games. As much as we wanted to believe the hype surrounding Carter and surrounding Cox, we have not seen that type of production. We've not seen the sacks take place like we expected. And because we haven't seen the pressure, now I will say that there are stats out there that prior to this game, you know, Florida's one of the teams that created the that creates the most havoc. But there's a big difference between between defenses creating havoc and defenses actually successfully disrupting the play enough that they're either a causing a sack or B, causing a uh, completely blown up play, interception, whatever. The problem right now with Todd Grantham's defense is if you're not getting the pass rush and you're just going to be running zone on the back end, you're not going to get the result you want when it comes to defense. When you get past the pressures, the back end of, of Todd Grantham's defense is not too hard to throw on it's not too hard to get past as long as you know that you have a guy in position to stop the rush and you've mentioned it probably thousands of times on twitter maybe not quite that much but it seems like it how disappointed we are that grantham keeps on running that that zone on third down hashtag third in grantham you can't do that so what are your thoughts i mean the problem with this defense is that it's not just one problem that's holding it back it's the whole entire unit. There are so many things to point to. The obvious one is Marco Wilson is, is just not trustworthy in man coverage. I think that's the one that the most fans are pointing at right now. And, and I have no qualms harping on that. I, I mean, really, he lost us the game, Wilson did. On the late ball on the Caleb Chapman, Florida's up 38-31 with about five minutes to go. Wilson seemed to think – 
he has safety help on the play when he didn't. So he let Chapman get behind him. That's bad enough for sure. It's not good to have miscommunication like that. He was beaten. But then even worse, Mon's ball is badly underthrown. It's a rainbow that's so underthrown that Chapman has to adjust and slow down his route and come back to the ball, which means that the four yards of separation that Marco allowed Chapman to get were erased because the underthrown ball gave Marco a chance to catch up to it. So it's a jump ball between the two of them that Marco has the inside leverage to. So it should be picked off a good corner like C.J. Henderson, or even Kyer Elam, for that matter, picks that ball off seven out of ten times. At the very least, that ball's got to be knocked down. When you have the inside track to the ball, there's no excuse for the receiver to catch it. None. It's got to be either picked or batted away. And Chapman just came back and took it away from Marco. And that's just not, that, that's not excusable. It should be cause to keep Wilson off the field. And I, and I will battle the fact that Marco Wilson is a great dude. He's the kind of kid you want your son to be like and you want your daughter to marry. Great kid. He should not be on the field if that's what he's going to do. If that's the way he's going to play balls like that, he shouldn't be on the field, except in some select situations where he'll have help in some nickel packages. But as far as him being the starting corner or a starting star back, I think the ship has sailed there. So I think that criticism is very much warranted. But it is easy to pick on one guy. The amazing thing is, it's a total team effort. This defense is bad from top to bottom. They've got so many crippling issues that I honestly don't know where you start the process of adjusting. I mean, let's just tick them off. The Gators got no push up front. The rush defense is putrid. It's not bad. It's putrid. There is one drive in the third quarter where A&M started on its own 13-yard line. Kickoff goes through the end zone, sails through, touchback. Personal foul on A&M, move it back, half distance to the goal. What does A&M do? Seven straight runs. Four straight runs for Isaiah Spiller and three straight runs for Anaya Smith. Get 75 yards because Jimbo knew Florida couldn't stop it. There's no pass rush. Kellen Mond wasn't sacked once. He stayed on his feet pretty much the entire game. The tackling is still bad. Guys aren't setting the edge. They're still taking bad angles. Guys aren't lined up right on defense. They're leaving receivers uncovered. And, and all that, that's really my source of frustration with Grantham. This defense is so completely helpless this year that I honestly think we're at a point where at the end of the year, barring major improvement, We've just got to bulldoze it to the ground and start all over. New coordinator, new scheme, new everything. Because I'm done with this. It's like you said, Dustin, it's a high-risk, high-reward defense. Or as my booster friend at Who's the Boff likes to say on Twitter, it's turnover or points. Because this defense is either going to create a turnover or I guess a variation of that is they'll just drive them backwards with negative plays and force a punt that way, which is kind of like a turnover when you cause them to lose 20 yards and then punt. Um, But so, yeah, it's turnover or points. And when you don't have the havoc guys on your defense, like a John Grenard, like a healthy Jabari Zuniga, like a Ja'Kai Polite, or like a David Reese even, or even a CJ Henderson, this is what's going to happen. And 
you know, when your defense is predicated on creating big negative plays or turnovers, every drive in which they don't do that is going to result in points. And because we're not doing that this year, we're giving up a ton of points. So, you know, I, I am done with Grantham. I realize we're not going to fire him in the middle of the season. I understand why we're not going to do that. But I, I think that the reality of the situation is Mullen has said something to him, like something along the lines of this can't continue, figure it out or you're gone. Maybe he wasn't quite that blunt, but I, I think that that's the message that Mullen has sent to Grantham in their post-game interactions. Or if he hasn't yet, he will. And if he doesn't, then it's time to have a much more difficult discussion about the future of this program that I really do not want to have. But we'll, we'll, we'll put that on the back burner for now. So, Neil, I think you're right. It's pretty clear that Grantham's not going to get fired. So, with that being said, I do want to quickly bring out a few thoughts as far as how Florida can fix the situation. I know both of us have, have watched Gator football for a while, and we've seen year upon year of either borderline elite or just straight up elite defense. And the biggest element of those defenses, the one thing that the one common thread between each of those, the defenses that, that had the likes of, you know, Brandon Spikes, of course, uh, Antonio Morrison, of course, uh, you know, Quincy Wilson, um, Ahmad Black, you, you know, th- those defenses where you, where you go through and you look at, you know, the 2012 defense or the 2008 defense. When you look at those defenses, the common thread that runs through them is they were very simple, number one. Each player knew their assignment. They knew which guy on the field they were responsible for. They knew which gap they were responsible for. There wasn't all these stunts, all these dips and rips. There wasn't, it, there wasn't all these added complexities. It was just simple hat on the hat, gap on gap, man on man. Like, it's just super simple. And number two, those defenses were fast, and they were, they were attack-oriented. See, if you know what you're doing, you're not acting, you're reacting. And that's super important. The biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from, from watching this team, it seems like, like players are second-guessing their assignments because of all the added complexities with the different stunts, with the different safety blitzes, with this and that. And I believe the number one thing, the number one solution, the number one thing that not only do I think the Gators should do, but I speculate the Gators will do this week, starting out and moving forward, is the defense will be radically simpler. Players will have drilled into them what their assignments are. I think that better, though, because we, we thought, we had thought that was going to be the solution after the Mississippi game. And that didn't happen last week. I think you're right because player, I mean, you go up to Marco Wilson you, or, or you go up to Amari Bernie, you ask them, Hey, you know, did you want to, did you want to get Texas a enough off the field? They would say, heck yeah, absolutely. They wanted to get Texas a and off the field. The biggest problem was not the want to, it was the get to, it was, it, they were not number one. They were not, always in position to make the play. And then other times it seemed like certain players wanted to be the hero 
And when you try to be the hero, more often than not, you get yourself out of position. Right. And, and, that's, and that is also where the missed tackles come in. We exactly. saw that happen a few times on Saturday too. Absolutely. And, and I do know defense well enough to know that you, you need to trust the guys around you enough where you can attack the proper hip. When a guy's running and, 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 and has the ball in his hands, you, you attack the proper hip and you know that if you attack, if you're coming in from the right and you attack the left hip or vice versa, you know that you're going to have someone else on the other side to help you out. So Again, we could go on and on on the nitty-gritty, but I just want to say this again. I want to recap. So I, the, the, the defense needs to be simpler. They need to know their gaps. They need to know their assignments, and they need to be aggressive and fast. And obviously they're trying to be aggressive, but if, you, if you're not doing the first two, if, if, if your defense is too complicated and you don't know your assignments, then we're going to see what's happening right now. Let's go ahead and move on to something that we like to call – the hidden gem. Let's let's make it something positive. We saw a lot of negative things in this game on both sides, but definitely most notably on defense. Let's find something positive. Neil, what was your hidden gem? Well, I'm going to be slightly lazy here and just steal one of my own t- uh, takeaways from the game in my five takeaways article that I wrote um, you know, yesterday morning. You guys are here at Monday. So yesterday morning, I'll just take one of those off and, and – uh, republish it again in podcast uh, audio version. I'm going Evan McPherson. How about the kicker lining up for a 43-yard field goal attempt? Oh, wait, there's a delay of game. So now it's going to be a 48-yard field goal. Lines up for a 48-yard field goal. Nope, false start. Move it back five more yards. Now it's a 53-yard field goal. Lines up for a 53-yard field goal. Oh, wait, Texas A&M calls timeout. So now you got to stand around and think about it for a few more minutes. And after all that, after all that, it's just become 10 yards further back. And now you've gotten iced, essentially. You step on and you nail it. A 53-yard field goal in the fourth quarter to tie the game. We knew McPherson had the leg. We knew he had the accuracy. How about the clutch factor? How about stepping on the field in the heat of some pretty strong hashtag adversity on the field? Nod to Will Muschamp. And just draining it. So that's definitely a resource that I think Florida can come back to late in the close game moving forward. Because let's face it, the way this defense is looking right now, we're going to be in a lot of close games because we know our offense can score. Our defense is just going to give the points right back. So we're going to be facing some close games late down the stretch. And it's nice to know we have a kicker we can rely upon in those close games. I like that, Neil. I, I want to I say Kadaris Tony. That's my hidden gem. Obviously, we've already talked about him quite a bit on on previous podcasts, but he not only was he the the top receiver from both the touchdown standpoint and a reception standpoint, but I thought he really proved himself as an every down receiver. Not only a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands and you know have him do this and do that, but he's a guy that you can rely on down the stretch. Not only that, but I also believe that Kadaris Tony is, is, is making a lot of money for himself. There, there are some people that were speculating, including himself, that he should have gone out and went to the, the, uh, the NFL. He should have left early and, didn't, and, and not play this season. 
I think he made a great decision to stay because he should get drafted. I think it's safe to say that he's going to get drafted. He could he, he could very well be a top uh, three round pick, you know, first, second, or third round pick. We, we shall see what what he looks like the rest of the season as defenses figure him out and do a better job at at defending him. But I was super impressed with not only how he was catching the ball and not only his routes, but what he did during plays when the ball wasn't in his hands. He made a 37-yard reception with 9 minutes and 38 seconds to go in the third quarter. And when that when he made that catch and the Gators went up 28-17, to 17, I really believed that the Gators were going to pull away with it. Man, was I wrong. I got to point out, that's another pet peeve of mine. When you are a top five or even a top ten team, and, and I understand, I understand. Things happen in football. Weirdness happens. You know, nothing's ever guaranteed. When you're a top ten team and you have a double-digit second-half lead, you should never lose. Never. Not once in a thousand times. Never. A top five team with a double-digit second-half lead should win the game a million out of a million times. I, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care, you know, what's happening on the field. You should not relinquish a double-digit second-half lead and lose the game. Never. And that's, you know, I, I understand, like, that's more emotional-based and analytical-based. But then again, you look at it, and it's really not because – a lot of different things have to happen for you to lose a double-digit second-half lead. Your offense has to fall apart. It didn't really for Florida, but it stopped being lights out, and your defense has to completely implode. Florida, when it went up 28-17 yesterday, the ESPN FPI gave Florida a 90% chance to win the game. Its win probability was 89.8. Top five teams don't lose games like that or – I guess more relevant for our purposes, championship contending teams don't lose games like that. They have a killer instinct and they finish the job. Florida didn't. And that's something that Florida's going to have to figure out moving forward because we know at this point, the defense pretty much is what it is. They're not going to magically get Carlos Dunlap to just suit up for them and start wreaking havoc on opposing lines. No, the personnel we've got is the personnel we've got. This is what it is and is going to be the rest of the way. So maybe they're not going to be elite, but they have to figure out a way to be clutch and at least get a key stop or two down the stretch because championship teams do not lose games like that. I agree. One item that I want to point out, and I know I've already said my hidden gem, but, but it's something that it's a question I actually have for you, Neil. I would love to hear thoughts on this. So when Texas A&M was lining up for the field goal that would ultimately win them the game, I fully expected Dan Mullen to call the last time out to ice the kicker, to, to do something. I mean, that's the oldest trick in the book, ice the kicker. Why didn't Dan Mullen do it in your mind? I don't have an answer, man. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the reason Florida lost the game, but no. I, I think that that – you know, enemy troops are closing in on your city. All your men are dead, and you're down to your last grenade. You may as well throw it, right? No use just keeping it in your back pocket and eating it. You got nothing to lose by just pulling the pin and tossing it, right? 
it's it's by no means the best shot you have to win the game. Like Malik Davis could have not fumbled, or your defense could have not been roasted for 543 yards. But I mean, you're down, you're back against the wall. You might as well whip out the last trick you've got, right? So I don't know. I I don't have an answer for that. I, again, I don't think that's the biggest problem that Florida's got right now. I don't right. think it's the head coach's decision making. But yeah, I wonder about that too. I mean, I'm sure you were expecting that. I mean, it was, I was. kind of it was kind of a surprise. They're like, wait, wait, they kicked it. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. But Neil, thank you so much for for your thoughts on that. I always love hearing what you have to say. And speaking of which, I. We also love to hear what our listeners have to say. So Neil put out a tweet on the in all kinds of weather forecast account asking for fans to give their reaction. So Neil, we'll have you go ahead and read yours first, and then I'll go ahead and get to mine. I got two. I'm going to usually go with two. I'm going to usually go with one funny one and one more analytical one. The funny one comes from my boy, Jeremiah Willett, who just posted a meme. Um, it, it's a guy wearing a shirt that says pain hub. And for those of you who are, are not necessarily super caught up on your memes, that's a play on, on porn hub. Uh, and this guy's is wearing a shirt and he, he just looks super dejected. And his shirt says pain hub because yesterday was literally a hub of pain. I think for Florida fans, I, I think it's funny. Uh, you, you might rightfully think it's not, but I don't know. I, I tend to try to find some humor in some dark moments. So I thought that was kind of humorous. Um, the more analytical tweet I'm going to go with comes from at 20th TRC mafia who says never seen a more winnable game get taken right out of our hands. If we would have had any defense in the SEC but ours, we win. And it's probably not even close. And I I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think Mississippi's defense has more problems than ours. I think LSU's defense has its own litany of problems, letting Missouri put up 45 on them. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with the point at its core. Like, I mean, I think Vanderbilt's defense paired with our offense wins the game. I think Tennessee's defense paired with our offense wins the game. Uh, Certainly, certainly South Carolina's defense paired with our offense wins that game. Uh, Kentucky's defense paired with our offense wins that game. So I I don't think that you're that far off at 20th TRC Mafia. I I think that maybe Mississippi's defense is worse, but, you know, there's some credence to that for sure. All right, Dale, I'm, I'm glad you brought out both the funny one and the serious one. I think it's always good to get different perspective when it when it comes to our listeners. I'm going to quickly bring out two tweets as well. The first one is from Austin Hunter. Uh, you can follow him at Austin underscore Hunter zero. And this is what he says. He says, bottom line, Florida still controls their own destiny. Beat Georgia and Tennessee, and the rest will figure itself out. But, and he puts but in all caps, the defense has to improve or Georgia will mow the floor with us. Grantham needs to go three, needs to go, and three needs to be benched. Marco, he's saying. Marco Wilson, he's talking about. Yeah. So we've already, we've already talked about Grantham ad nauseum. We, we briefly mentioned Marco as well. 
I think he's right. Obviously, Florida controls their own destiny. That doesn't need to be said anymore. We know. We know if Florida beats Georgia, beats Tennessee, wins the rest of their schedule, they, they probably still have a shot at the SEC. And if they win the SEC, they pretty much are guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Well, here's the thing, man. They do, right? They absolutely do. We mentioned that at the top of the show, that they do. The problem is what we saw yesterday is not conducive to us doing that. The, no. th- the defense that we saw take the f- – well, on se- on Sunday, because um, we're recording this on Sunday. You guys hear it on Monday. But the defense that we saw son- on Saturday, if it plays like that the rest of the year – this will not be the only loss. We will lose to Georgia. All those what if, if, and buts are irrelevant and moot because we're not beating Georgia. We're probably not beating Tennessee if we play like this. So, yes, Saturday did not damage us long term. It's what we saw on the field that led to that loss on Saturday that could damage us long term if it continues to play out that way in the future. We've said it. Ad nauseum, this defense does not look like a defense that can even get the Gators close to a championship. I want to read one more tweet, and what I love about this tweet is this guy actually goes into detail how the defense can improve. So I want to read it real quick, and then we'll, we'll leave it speak for itself, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Wow. So this one is from Josh Boyd, and you can follow him at J-B-O-Y-D-821 on Twitter. And this is what he says. He says, regardless of whiffs, Grantham has to quit trying to make the players fit his scheme and swallow his pride and run what makes sense for the personnel. Yesterday's defense, and again, where this, this was typed on, on Sunday. Most of you listened to this starting on Monday. Yesterday's defense reminded me of the UGA game from last season made QB look pro level and they converted every third and fourth down. I agree. Grant them needs to, needs to swallow his pride and he needs to look at the players he's got and create a very simple scheme that'll get his players in position to make plays. Yep. Pretty much. I think that's a great tweet. I don't think that Mr. Boyd is, particularly likely to get his wish from what I've seen of Grantham so far, but yeah, he's right. For Florida to give up. And what was the third down conversion rate, Neil? Yesterday, they were 12 for 15 on third downs, which That's is awful. just utterly fantastic. And, and one for one on fourth down too. That's around 80%, 12 for 15. That is 80%. Exactly. Uh, I like to think I'm okay at math sometimes. So, Neil, the Gators gave up 80% on third down. That's atrocious. If, if Florida can get that to 50% or something around there, it's not ideal. It's not, this, it's not that game-breaking defense that we saw in 2008 that won us the national championship. I, I think an average defense with the offense that Florida has, I think an average defense would – I think the Gators could potentially beat Georgia – and again, you know, though, like I said, I'm not worried about that. You can't worry about a specific game. You got to run this defense through the ringer in practice. You got to practice filling your gaps. You got to learn to get to the sideline and set the edge. Got to learn how to make tackles. You know, you got to go back to basics with these guys. Like, you can't worry about beating Georgia and the East. You can't worry about shiny trophies and all these 
accolades, you got to worry about the fundamental stuff or all that's not right. going to happen. So let's finish off the show with the last word. Like the verdict, we're going to go around and get each other's player of the game, play of the game, and an overall grade for the team's performance, which, spoiler alert, is not going to be good from either of us. Let's go ahead and start with play of the game. Neil, what was your play of the game? Play of the game for me was the bomb from Kellen Mond to Caleb Chapman over Marco Wilson. Florida was up 38-31. I've broken down the play in in great detail. I I would care to not I, I would not care to do it again. Um it's, it's a play that Marco Wilson has to make and he didn't do it. It it's it's just that simple. He in a, an SEC corner has to at least knock that ball away if not outright intercept it. That was not a good throw for Mond, and an SEC corner has to make the quarterback pay for that. And not only did he not, it wound up being a touchdown for AM that tied the game. You can make a case for the Malik Davis fumble. Obviously, the game-winning field goal is going to be up for consideration in most um, in most fans' discussions for the play of the game. But I'm going with the bomb because that, to me, that could have essentially ended the game for Florida had Florida then gotten the ball and then taken it down the field like they were doing all day long and scored again to go up two scores in the final minutes. And instead, Marco gets roasted for a touchdown. So I'm going with that play. How about you? I think it's an easy one for me. As terrible as the defense played, I'm going to pick an offensive play. I'm going to say the play when Malik Davis fumbled the ball. Before the fumble happened, the, the Gators at least had a chance to win. If you look at the win probability that ESPN does on their website and app, Florida had a 60% chance of winning the game going into that play. And after the fumble happened and Texas A&M recovered, Texas A&M went ahead with a 67% chance. There, besides the, the field goal at the end of the game, there was no other play that, that, that provided – and I. I think even with that play, that's a 27% change in win probability. So when that fumble happened, pretty much everyone knew that the game was over. Obviously, Malik Davis, we're very happy that, that he's, he's on the team, that he's uh, healthy, that he's uh, playing with the, the skill and athleticism that he plays with. It's just unfortunate that, that he – was kind of on the bad side of a great play on the part of the Texas A&M defense. Again, we talked about it earlier in the pod. Florida's defense needed to be clutch, and they weren't. A&M's defense needed to be clutch, and they were. And that's the bottom line for the game. So let's go ahead and move on to our player of the game. Neil, who was your player of the game? Yeah, I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller. He carried the ball 27 times for 174 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, he made things happen. Again, Florida's defense had a lot to do with that. But, I mean, it's not his fault that Florida played defense like a revolving door, right? He made the plays happen himself with his athletic ability and his his broke his tackle-breaking ability and his vision to get downfield. So, Trask had a big day for Florida, but I'm going to go with an Aggie who helped win the game for them. So I'm going with Spiller. How about you? Yeah, Spiller absolutely hurt the Gators. I I think that if Spiller had not broken so many big runs, 
I think the Gators would have they would have eked out the win. I really think that. But you got to give Spiller credit. I'm going to go ahead and pick another guy. I think Kellen Mond played well. I think a big part of how well he played was due to the weaknesses in our defense, and he was able to pick it apart. But he definitely showed that he can make plays when the opportunity is there. So as much as, as, much as my heart wants to pick a Gator, as much as I want to pick Kyle Trask or Kadaris Tony or Naquan Wright, I can't. Florida lost the game. I, I, I cannot. I can't just, you know what I mean? I got, I got to be unbiased with my pick, and I got to say Kellen Mond was the player of the game. I'm, I mean, he, he threw for 338 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. So let's go ahead and give our grades. Neil, we'll, we'll again start with you, and I'll go ahead and end it out. So give us a grade for your offense, defense, special teams, and an overall grade for the coaching. What you got, Neil? So offense was a B. It was it was fine. It was it was a good showing for the offense. The, the fumble at the end was a killer. And it it sucks that one play has to ruin it for the whole for the whole grade. But on the other hand, that one play ruined the whole game for Florida. The Gators win the game if not for that Malik Davis fumble. Um so yeah, I'm, I'd also like to have seen them score on the drive after it was 28-17 and the Aggies scored to cut 28-24. You'd like to see Florida score on that ensuing drive. Instead, they had to punt. It was not a good punt by Jacob Finn, and it gave the Aggies a chance to take the lead, which they did. So I'm going to give them a B for the day. Um, they get a good but not great grade for me. Defense is an F. It, it was just a complete and utter failure of a day for the defense. There was a fumble recovery. There was a one fumble that was obviously forced. Ball came out. Marco Wilson fell on it. Literally everything else they, they could have done wrong, they did wrong. No sacks on Kellen Mond. No pressure. They got gutted by Isaiah Spiller. Caleb Chapman roasted Marco Wilson for much of the day. It was just an F. You can't expand on any more than that. An F's an F. It was a failure. Special teams gets a B minus, and that's because the one time Jacob Finn had to punt, he didn't do a great job of it, sort of shanked it off his foot. McPherson himself gets an A-plus for the day, but that, that bad punt by Finn gave the Aggies good field position. Of course, the way Florida's defense played, I'm not sure that it would have made a difference if he pinned them at the one-yard line. They might have gone 99 yards and scored anyway, but you'd like to see your punter do a better job of pinning them deep than that. So I'll give them a B minus and coaching. I'll give a solid C too. I thought the offensive game plan was fine. They got Tony the ball in space, which was good. I liked getting a lot of different running backs involved like Naquan Wright and Damian Pierce and Malik Davis all got their hands on the ball some, and they spread the ball around through the air too. I like that. The defensive game plan, I mean, you can only say enough times how tired you are of only rushing three guys when you don't have that havoc weaker or the secondary that you can rely on to lock down the opposing receivers. I think at some point, Graham's got to make some kind of adjustments there. I don't know what that is without the kind of Ja'Kai Polite or John Grenard type player. I think maybe you have to start rushing five or six guys more consistently and you know, if the secondary is going to get burned, they may as well get burned. You may as well get some negative plays out of it with a bigger rush to begin with. So, I, I mean, I think Grandin needs to take a hard look in the mirror. But I'll say 
overall, the coaching gets a C. How about you? Yeah, Neil, I wish I could be even as positive as you were in, in those grades. I, I was pretty surprised. I, I was expecting a little different grades from what you gave. So let's, let's first start with offense. So I know, I know they played well. The offense definitely played well enough to win, even with the fumble. But that fumble has to count for something, considering the Gators had a shot to win the game. They had a shot at a game-winning drive, and if they played their cards right, they could have driven down the field and left Texas A&M nearly no time on the clock. But they didn't, and they, and they fumbled the ball. And because of that, I have to give the offense a C plus. Okay, I had a professor in college where he gave no partial credit on, on long engineering problems. So if you got one part wrong, you got the whole thing wrong. Why? Because, you know, if you, if you put the, if you do all the work right, but then you put the wrong, the wrong number for the amount of fuel you're going to put in the rocket, that rocket is still probably going to blow up. And that's what happened. So yeah, uh, that, that's kind of a funny story from college. And I think it proves right in, in football. The offense played well, but when they needed to win the game, it didn't happen. So offense C+. Plus. Defense, F, just F. Like, you know, sometimes you get an F and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 59%. You're like, man, I failed, but at least, at least it was respectable. At least, at least I could have gotten a D. No, like that, that's like, th- this was like a 20 or, or a 10% or, or a 20% F. Like it was, it was bad. Like it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the, the kind of F. This is, this was the kind of F. And I, I, with all due respect, this is the kind of F that if you get that F on your first, on your midterm exam in college, this is like dropping out of the class, you know, change, change your major. Like that, that's the kind of F that that was. And I, and I, I hate to be that disrespectful to the, to the defense. But you know There's what? You know what, Dustin? To improve. Dustin, Dustin, where's the lie? Where's the lie? Point it out to me. Show me where the lie is. I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's what we do here. Keep it respectful. We're not, you know, we're not saying the players should you know, quit the team or anything like that. Revoke no. their scholarship. Not doing any of that. But, no. but, but you got to keep it real. Like, that's what keeping it real is. That's how bad this was yesterday. You, you, can't, you can't just ignore that. Absolutely. And special teams, obviously Evan played great, but special teams is not just a kicker. Finn who I was very impressed with with all the punts he had thus far until this game, that punt was pretty bad. 30, 38 yards and 38 yards because of a lucky bounce. And because of that, I, 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 can't, give, I can't give Florida anything higher than a, than a C plus, especially when in, in a game that's that close, field position is vital. And we did not win the field position battle in that game. And part, of, and part of it on that specific drive was due to that punt. In coaching, I got to give the coaching a D. Obviously, the, the play calling on offense was pretty good through three and a half quarters. Defense was awful, just awful. Yes, we can blame Grantham, and that's an easy thing to do. But when the fish stinks, <laughs> it starts at the head. That's what my head coach said in high school after we lost even if it was because the defense played poorly and he called the offensive plays he always said i take this one on me 
and I'm going to leave it at that. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. Any thoughts before we do that, Neil? In all kinds of weather, we'll stick together. This loss alone does not kill us, but it is a wake-up call. How do you respond to that? You, coaches, you, players. Yeah. You know, how do you bounce back from this? Do you take it for granted? Do you just say, yeah, you know, we could have won the game. We should have won the game. We play them another nine times we win the game. Or do you see what happened that cost us the game, take steps to rectify them, ensure that they don't happen again, and truly learn from it and become better because of it? We'll find out. Well, got a big game against LSU this week, and that's as good a test as any. Yeah, Neil. And there's a ton that will be discussed in the next episode. And obviously, this episode was kind of a downer. It's not really how we like to do it. But at the end of the day, we always want to keep it respectful. But we always also want to keep it real. So, as always, we thank everybody for listening to our show. We expect future shows to not be as negative as this one. Anyway, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. We're still just a couple months old, and we'd really appreciate that as we grow. As a reminder, we are releasing two shows a week, one on Monday recapping the previous game and one on Wednesday previewing the upcoming game. And we do plan to have a special guest on for Wednesday's episode, so that's one you don't want to miss. As always, be safe and go Gators. And now more than ever, we'll say it again, in all kinds of weather, we'll all stick together for F-L-O-R-I-D-A. Go Gators. Go Gators.